Let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, let that be true. Don't let it just be words that we sing. Help us to build our life based on your love. And Lord, a life based on your love has to be based on your word. It has to start with your word and what you teach, what you say. And so Lord, this week as we study the story of the prodigal son, as we study what your son Jesus Christ has to say to us about what it really means to be lost, what it really means to be found. Would you just bless the teaching and preaching of your word. Give us ears to hear, hearts to accept, till up the ground in our hearts so that it can be good soil where the word can take root and grow and students and adults and myself and the band, we can leave here changed. And it's in Jesus' precious, wonderful name we ask. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. And let's thank the band. Can we thank the band? Bring that heat, man. You guys get three more nights of that. Three more nights of that. Just, just candy sweet goodness. Turn to Luke. Speaking of, turn to Luke 15. Luke chapter 15 in your Bibles or on your phones or all that good stuff. Luke 15. Tonight we'll look at pretty much 1 through 10. Luke 15. So the, the point of this week is to go through Luke chapter 15, which is the story of the prodigal son, but there's a little bit more to it than just that, okay? There's a little bit more to it than just that. And, and again, our goal is to show you guys what it really means to be lost, but then if we realize what it means to really be lost, we can see what it means to really be found. And it is so awesome to be back here at Beach Camp teaching again, but just, oh man, it's so good to be back. Who's, who's been before? Yeah, does it not feel so good to be back? Is it not so nice to be back here? Uh, just like, like tomorrow, just run up to a random employee and just hug them and be like, thank you. Just to celebrate. No context. Don't, and then just leave. Don't explain it. Luke 15, Luke 15, 1 through 10. So we'll read it and then we'll chat for a little while. Luke 15, 1 through 10. Now all the tax collectors and the sinners were coming near Jesus to listen to him, but the Pharisees and the scribes began to but the Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? When he is founded, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Right away, if you're a note taker, right away, we have two groups of people. Two groups of people. Two totally different groups. We have the Pharisees or scribes, okay? And we have the sinners or the tax collectors. And you see that in verses 1 and 2, especially verse 2. The Pharisees and scribes, there's one group, began to grumble, saying, 
This man receives sinners and he eats with them. So you have two different groups. The Pharisees and the scribes is one group, and the tax collectors and sinners is the other group. Now here's what's important to understand. It's not just two random groups. The Pharisees were the people who, according to the world, according to their behavior, were close to God. And the tax collector sinners, who are according to the world, are far from God. So you've got the group of people that, according to the world, according to what people think, according to their Instagram bio, according to what you would think on the outside, they're close to God. And then you have the sinners, the tax collectors, who everyone just knows would be far from God. Two total opposites, right? Two total opposite groups of people. But now, look at Luke 15, verse 11, how Jesus starts the story of the prodigal son. Luke 15, verse 11. And Jesus said a man had how many sons? <gasps> so look, here's what's going on. Jesus is showing... Now notice, it's the story of the prodigal son, but Jesus doesn't start out with just one son. He starts out with two. The story is about both of them. Okay? It's not j- now, I mean, it's okay to call it the story of the prodigal son, but he's focusing on two different sons because they reflect these two different groups of people. Does that make sense? These two sons reflect these two different groups of people. Not just the prodigal son, not just the younger brother, but the two groups. In a text with two groups who are polar opposites, Jesus tells us about two brothers who are polar opposites because they each represent a group. And listen, here's the key. Here's the message. If you get this, you'll have it. Here's the key, the message that Jesus is going to get across to both parties. These two groups, though different in every way imaginable, are actually the same. These two groups, though different in every way imaginable, are actually the same. Because even though their behavior is different, they are both lost. Even though their behavior is as different as you can possibly imagine, both groups are lost. Now, what people always miss about Luke 15 is that before Jesus gets to the prodigal son, he tells two other stories that make his point before he gets there. So he has already told two other stories, and we're going to look at both of those. So the first one is the lost sheep, verses 3 through 7. The lost sheep, Luke 15, 3 through 7. Let's read it one more time. So Jesus told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which was lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. So both groups of people see a sheep separated from the shepherd. Does that make sense? Both groups of people listening to the story See a sheep separated from the shepherd. A lot of S's in there. There we go. Now, why does a sheep leave? Because they're dumb, right? Well, yeah, but even... Sorry, it's dumb. Are we okay? All right, here we go. We can can edit that out. Uh, Because they're dumb. But even dumb people or dumb animals have motivations. Everybody, if you're a note taker, 
you include, when I say everybody includes you, includes me, includes your adult leaders, everybody, everybody wants something. Does that make sense? Everybody wants something. Everyone has a motivation. Everyone has something that drives them. And what does a sheep want? Why would it wander off? Food, safety, in its own way, even though it can't like sit at a table with you and explain it, right? Even in its own way, it is looking for satisfaction and happiness. Everyone wants something. And this week, listen to me, this week, I want you to think about this. And maybe by the Holy Spirit, it's just going to hit you one day while you're out there walking on the beach or while you're sitting at the meal or whatever. What are you looking for? What, what drives you? What's at the, one pastor says, what's at the bottom of your well, is the way he asks it. Is it finding a relationship? Is it getting the grades you're supposed to get? Is it sports? Is it music? Is it academics? Is it entertainment? Can't wait to be done with school every day. Can't wait for Ryan to wrap this up so we can get back out there. Now listen, notice, a sheep looking for food is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. You shouldn't look for food. No, relax. A sheep looking for food is not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be fed and wanting to be safe. In fact, I would argue that it is human nature to want to be fed, to want to be safe, to want to be happy, to date someone, or get good grades, or have fun. Those things are good. These are gifts from God. Listen, the problem is that our desires for these things can take over our lives. Gifts are from God, but gifts can become God. Does that make sense? Gifts are from God, but gifts can become God. One pastor says, our hearts are idol factories. I-D-O-L, like idolatry. Our hearts are idol factories. What does a factory do? It builds stuff, right? Our hearts take good things and build them into things that we should worship and then pump some back out to us. Our hearts, we start to value food, safety, dating, grades so much that they cause us to wander away from the shepherd. To value them above everything and everyone. Look at verse 4. Look at verse 4. What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture, and go after the one which is lost until he finds it. The sheep that has left in search of food is called lost. I wrote this in bold. To be lost, what does it mean to be lost? To be lost is to seek satisfaction away from the shepherd. That's what it means to be lost. To seek satisfaction away from the shepherd. Well, I thought to be lost was to sin, right? Yeah, but, yeah, but why do we sin? Because we like to. Because we want to. Because we want what's at the, what we think is at the bottom of that sin. Satisfaction. Joy. To seek, and, and to seek satisfaction away from the shepherd, we start to wander off from him. That's what it is to be lost. See, that's the shepherd's job. The shepherd leads the sheep to food. The shepherd protects. The goal of your life 
is not food or safety or academics or college or a job. Listen, the goal of your life is the shepherd. The goal of your life is the shepherd, not what he brings to you. He will provide what you need. He will provide what you need. And, but yeah, yeah, okay, Ryan, great. But what if he doesn't? What if he doesn't provide me with what I need? Or what if he leads? I know he leads me, but what if he leads me somewhere that I don't want to go? I'm going to do, listen, I, I, I'm, I don't have anything against the shepherd. Shepherd sounds awesome. That's great. But I'm going to do this in the way that works best for me. That's exactly the mindset that causes us to wander off. Jesus is cool. Love singing about him. This is great. But I'm going to do what I need to do here. That's what the sheep does when they wander off. For some of you, I wonder if this is what's happening. For some of you, I wonder if maybe you are in the middle of wandering away from the shepherd right now. And finally this week, you'll be able to hear from him saying, stop. You'll be able to hear him calling you back. Now, this is an easy one. because here's, here's what it is. This is an easy one for us to label with specific people, right? Oh, of course, everyone knows she wandered off, right? Of course, she wandered off. Well, she got pregnant out of wedlock. Of course, she's wandering off, right? Of course, he needs God. He cussed his teacher out last week. Of course, he needs God. And we kind of shake our heads and look down our nose and, uh, these wandering sheep. If they only had as many Awana medals as I do, then... Right? And listen, Awana medals are awesome. I, I ain't hating it all. But, but listen, here's the thing. And here's Jesus' point. Here's Jesus' point. The sinful ones, the sinners and tax collectors, they say, I don't need God to be happy. I don't need God to be happy. I'm going to sleep with this person. I'm going to behave like this. I'm going to watch this. They say, I don't need God to be happy. I don't need God. But the reason there's only one lost sheep in this story instead of two? The reason the Pharisees aren't represented by a good sheep? Is because without Jesus, good kids will say the exact same thing. Will say the exact same thing. I went to a Christian private school called Wesleyan, okay? Wesleyan School. And on Fridays, we had chapel. And I remember Friday chapels because they were boring, right? They were so, like, ugh, they were so awful. They were just rough. At a Christian school with Christian teachers, and their job is to teach kids from a Christian perspective, and their chapels were so boring, so boring. And my dad taught there, and we're riding home one day in Skip's sky blue Windstar van, right? Amen? So awesome. Um, I was asking my dad, I was like, why are the chapels so boring? And this is what he said, Christian private school, because deep down these people don't think they need God. These well-behaved Christian kids and teachers don't really think they need God. Now, what does the sinful one say? I don't need God. Now, why would they say that? Because they're accomplished, they toe the line, they behave. Why would they think they need a Savior? Here it is. The bad kid says, listen, listen to me, because remember, both groups are lost. The bad kid says, I don't need God. 
I like misbehaving too much. The good kid says, I don't need God because my behavior is fine. The bad kid says, I don't need God. I like misbehaving too much. But the good kid says, I don't need God because my behavior is fine. They're both lost. They've both wandered off, wandered away. Have you ever heard, have you ever heard church kids of the world unite? Have you ever heard the phrase to be dead in your sins, right? You're dead in your sins. But listen to me. What if you can be dead in your behavior? To be dead in your misbehavior, sure. Well, we all know that. But to be dead in your behavior, whether we are dead in our behavior or dead in our misbehavior, listen, that's not the question, though. There's a deeper question. It's not just, are you dead in your misbehavior or dead in your behavior? It's, what is Jesus going to do to help? What will Jesus do? Look at verses 4 through 5. And what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he finds it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. What does Jesus do when you wander off? You you just write it in your Bible or or if you get it tattooed this week, I'm not even going to be mad at you. Okay, there's your license. Relax. Okay, but... What does Jesus do when you wander off? Listen, he comes and finds you. He comes and finds you. He comes after you to find you. Now listen, we believe that God is in control of all things, right? We believe that God is in control of all things. Now if that's true, follow me. If God is in control of all things, that means ultimately you're not here Because you signed up for camp. You're not here because your parents filled out the paperwork. You are here because ultimately God used those things to bring you here. Why? Because He's pursuing you. Because He's coming after you. And not like He's coming after you. Like He's coming coming to find you. You are not here, listen, and I love, and I want us to be here. You're not here because ultimately because you want to come to beach camp. You're here because God wanted you to come to beach camp. Do you understand that? You're not ultimately here because you wanted to come to beach camp. You're here because God wanted you to come to beach camp. And He used your wants and He used the signatures on the forms and He used all these different things to bring you here. He used Miss Penny to drive your butt here, right? It was awesome. All these things are happening. Listen, all these things are happening because God has you on his mind and he wants to speak with you this week. God worked the circumstances in your life to bring you here this week so you could speak with, so you could be with him. Verse 4 and go after that which is lost. God is an active God, he goes after you. He doesn't just wait for you. He goes after you. He loves you so much, He won't leave you out there by yourself. He'll come and get you and bring you home. So what does He... All right, so He's pursuing you. He's pursuing you. He's coming after you. When He gets you, what happens? Verse 5. Verse 5. 
When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. God is a God of grace, okay? God is a God of grace. But what does that mean? Like, what does that mean? Listen, God is a God of grace, which means he loves you where you are. Look right at me, and then you can write it all down. He loves you right where you are, but he won't leave you there. Does that make sense? He loves you where you are, but he's not going to leave you there. He picks the sheep. He doesn't just see the sheep and like out there in the cold, freezing or whatever, and be like, oh, man, I'm loving you where you are. No. If he really loves you, he's going to pick picks you up and brings you home. Let me ask you a question. What sins do you struggle with? What's the stuff that goes on in your head and on your phone that nobody else knows about? What if I told you that Jesus loves you in that sin right now? He loves you in that sin and He loves you too much to leave you in it. He loves you in that sin. He came and found you out there. He loves you in that sin, but He's not going to leave you in it. Look at verse 5 one more time. When He has found it, He lays it on His shoulders rejoicing. He loves the sheep that is lost. He loves the sheep. Listen, some of you right now value things more than God, and He loves you in that anyway. He loves you. He loves the sheep that value school more than He does. He loves the sheep that value comfort more than He does. He loves the sheep that value music or the world more than they value Him. And in that love, He picks us up and gets us out of there. He changes our hearts. Now, I've never worked with sheep, if you can believe that, but I've had some dogs, right? And you, sometimes you have to take dog like on the leash, you have to take them back home. But do dogs always want to go back home? Rarely ever, right? Same with us, spiritually, okay? Maybe God's trying to teach us something, right? They're yelling and wailing and fighting and they don't want to go, but I need them safe. So even when they yell and scream, I love them enough to keep bringing them home. It's the same with Jesus and us. You know that scene in, in the New Testament where Jesus goes into the temple with the money changers and he flips the tables and he, he makes this whip himself? Have you ever thought about that? Jesus braiding the whip himself and he flips all these tables over and gets everyone out to purify the temple, to purify it for worship. Listen, Jesus may have to do that in our hearts to purify our hearts so that they can so that we can worship Him. If you value... What does that look like? How does that work? He may lovingly... Like if you love dating more than you love Jesus, He may put you in a situation where dating is no longer enough. He may put you in a situation where your good grades won't get you out of that situation. And we will yell and we will cry and complain, how could you do this? Why would you, do you hate me? Why would you hate me like this? But he's bringing us home. He's bringing us back. 
Some of you are in situations right now that are just not good. And some of it's not your fault. And, but, but here's the thing. Some of you are in situations right now that is not good, and you're trying to use everything but God to fix it. Running in every direction except upward, right? What if God is trying to bring you home, and the best thing for you to do is stop going to dating, or your phone, or your grades, or music, and finally, this week, Try talking to him. What if, he's, what if that's been his plan all along? Look at verses 6 and 7. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you that in the same way there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need repentance. Jesus loves to rescue you from your sin. Jesus loves when you pray to Him after you have sinned. Now listen to that. After you've watched something you're not supposed to watch again, after you've done something that you swore you'd never do again. He loves when you pray to Him in that moment. I read a book over the summer called Gentle and Lowly, and the, and the author, Dane Ortland says this. I'm going to read it like four times so that you can all write this down. The area of your heart that makes you cringe the most makes him hug the hardest. The area of your heart that makes you cringe the most makes him hug the hardest. The area of your life that makes you cringe the most makes him Hug the hardest. You know the scene in the New Testament where the man has leprosy? And what does Jesus do to heal him? He reaches out and touches him. That leprosy has cost that man everything. It's like the last thing I'm sure he wants to talk about. And Jesus goes right in and heals it. The area of your life that makes you cringe the most makes him judge the hardest. No, that's not what I said. The area of your life that makes you cringe the most makes him the angriest. No, listen to me. The area of your heart that makes you cringe the most makes him hug the hardest. The sin that you could never tell anyone else about not only can you tell him, he wants to hear it. That spot in your life, that's what he wants to help. You know the one thing that God can't do or won't do? God can do anything. I know, I got it. The one thing God can't do or won't do is roll his eyes. He won't. God, I've sinned in this area again. Again, and he just rolls his eyes. No, 
He will not do it because he loves you too much. See, listen, we think God doesn't want to hear from us after we sin too much. He doesn't want to hear from us after we sin too much. But that's how we are. We have a limit. That's not what the Bible says about how God feels. Listen to this. I wrote it in bold so you know it's important. Your whole life, this is why it's so important to stay in church and to stay learning the Bible. Your whole life will be God slowly getting rid of what you think He's like and replacing it with what He says He's like. Your whole life will be God slowly getting rid of what you think He's like. What you think He's like. And replacing that with what He says He's like. Have you ever thought about this? What if the biggest problem in your life is not your sin, but it's what you think God thinks about your sin? Your whole life will be God slowly getting rid of what you think He's like and replacing it with what He says He's like. And that takes time and suffering and sermons and praying to get that out. There's a psalm, I think it's Psalm 51, I can't remember though, where David says, he asked the Lord to purge, to, to cleanse him with hyssop. To clean him. The, the image there is not like sprinkling water and like fairy dust to clean him. It's this image of a washboard. Like getting in there to get this out. That's what will happen when God works in your life. God loves bringing lost people back to him. The areas of your heart that make you cringe the most make him hug the hardest. Look at verse 7. Almost through. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who need no repentance. This is verse 7. There's joy over one sinner who repents. Now listen, the joy isn't in the bad person. The joy isn't in the good person. The joy is in the one who repents. The good or bad kid who believes and understands and keeps working to understand that God loves you and that you need Him. Last thing. Look at the story of the lost coin, verses 8 through 10. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it. When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors and says, Rejoice with me, for I found the coin which was lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One thing you should do in your quiet time tomorrow, which we'll talk about in a minute, but circle how many times you see the word joy or rejoice in Luke 15. He loves to do this. He wants to hear from you. He's not ashamed of you. He wants to hear you tell him about your sins so that he can help you get through them. Now, Jesus drives the point home even further. One lost coin, 
Where's the good coin? The coin that stays in the piggy bank all the time. No, that coin doesn't exist. That's Jesus' point. They're both the lost coin. And the problem at root isn't their good or bad behavior. It's that they're lost. The problem is that they're lost. Coins don't have behavior. They're just lost. That's the issue. They're just lost. The Pharisees and the sinners are both hearing this. Both groups of people. The problem is that the coin is far from the widow. That the sheep has wandered off. They're lost. Listen, if your bad behavior isn't the root problem, then your good behavior can't fix it. If your bad behavior isn't the root problem, then your good behavior can't fix it. The solution is to repent. Well, what is to repent? Is to build a relationship with the one you've been lost from. So we know who the lost sheep represents, but who is the shepherd who goes and finds it? John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Who is the widow looking for the lost coin? Matthew 18, 11, for the Son of Man came to save that which was lost. Jesus describes himself as a shepherd who loves finding lost sheep. Jesus describes himself as a widow who searches desperately, if we can even say that, because this is ridiculous. God is not desperate for anything. So for God to describe his search as desperate is his way of showing how deeply he cares for you. The shepherd who searches for the sheep leaves the 99 other sheep. He goes after this sheep because he wants to. He has 99 other sheep. 99 out of 100 is good, believe it or not, for some of you type A's. 99 out of 100 is good. But he leaves. Why? 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 The only reason is because he wants to. Because he wants. And notice this too. There's 100 sheep. There's 10 lost coins. The ones who are missing are a part of the whole. You're a part of this. Christianity is this community where you can be and belong. The father who runs to the younger son and pleads with his older one. This is who Jesus is and this is how he feels about you. So the groundwork has been set with the sheep and the coin. And Jesus is about to tell a third story. This story, instead of addressing two groups together, now addresses each group individually. And in addressing them as two lost brothers, Jesus brings them together as both groups begin to understand what we all need to understand. That Jesus loves us and that he loves to save us. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the chance to be in this house tonight, to sing to you, to think through your words. And Lord, I pray that for, for those in here, maybe Lord, who, who just have been going in the wrong direction without ceasing, that Lord, this week they would hear from you. But Lord, maybe not magically, 
but Lord, that they would hear from us, from, from the leaders. When we talk, when we just get real with them for a second and say, hey, look, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. Lord, Holy Spirit, give them ears to hear in that moment. Give them ears to hear in that moment that it's not just us who's trying to get them right, it's you, Lord. It's you. Lord, some of us in here are just going in the wrong direction and we know it 100% and we don't care. Lord, I can't make them care. We as adult leaders, we, we as a band, we can't make them care, but you can. You can change the heart that was once dead and bring it to life to where all of a sudden our sins just don't taste the same anymore. Lord, I pray that that would happen. And for some of us, Lord, we're doing fine. We're good kids. And I'm so glad of that. That's a blessing. That's a gift of grace. But Lord, sometimes we take that gift of grace and we turn it into an idol where we think our behavior is what will save us. And so therefore, we don't need you. So we're just as lost as the other people. Lord, this week, would you open our eyes to how valuable you are, to how much you want a relationship with us. And as we sing this last song together tonight, Lord, I pray that that message would sink into our hearts that yes, maybe, maybe we are lost, but you're coming after us. Even if we're lost, hope is not, because you're coming after us. Lord, go with us now as we sing this last song to you, in Jesus' name. And everyone said...